1: starts right now live from the Nasdaq market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lee. Your traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Steve Grasso, Dan Nathan, and Gaia Dami. Chewy goes dog wild. It's just the latest IPO to go parabolic on its first day of trading. But is it actually a bad sign for the stock? We will explain. Plus, Facebook going full crypto set to unveil its cryptocurrency called Libra next week with a number of big backers. We've got all the details. We start off with what could be a make or break moment for the rally. There are just Two and a half training days. We only do this because you guys hate the song. Name the band. I don't know. Europe. Uh, Europe. Okay. Four days until the Fed decision. (laughs) Markets are pricing a 20% chance of a rate cut in June, a nearly 90% chance in July. This is President Trump doubles down on his criticism of Fed Chair Jerome Powell and pushes for him to cut rates. And today we saw semis get crushed on trade. Disappointing data from China, the 10 year yield near lows. Is this the perfect recipe for a rate cut? What does that mean for the market, Guy? Welcome back.
2: Thanks, Mel. It's great to be back. I missed. I did. I missed. We're all glad you guys. survived
1: the Dominican Republic.
2: I was in the Dominican. That's Republic. That's why you missed <laughs> everyone. I mean, Republic. <laughs> I mean, all the crazy Republic. places. Go. With that said, I mean, scaring the Dominican Republic, in my opinion, is the fact that the Fed would even consider cutting rates, and the fact that <laughs> President Trump is saying they should cut rates is, to me, it's it's madness at the highest level. I still think the market is pricing in. Way too dovish a Fed. I think the Fed can only disappoint next week. And I'll say it again. I think the market's toppy here. The fix at
3: 15 in this environment makes zero sense to me. Yeah. Dan? Yeah, listen, I I think that we can look beyond June, Um, you know, we're not going to get a cut next week. Um, So it really comes down to July. And at that point, we're going to have, we're going to know what the outcome of, uh, if there is a meeting between President Xi and President Trump at the G20 at the end of the month, and then we're going to start to get more earnings. And that really could dictate um, whether or not we have that hike at the, uh, towards the end of July. So to me, you know, um, we're going to talk about semis a little bit. I expect some other pre-announcements before Q2 ends. And if there is only a kick the can sort of announcement on trade, I think that's the sort of Thing, that investors will start to price a higher likelihood of a cut, but if we don't get it, that's where it lights out again to the downside.
0: I think no matter what happens next week, the market moves higher. I think right. if they, yeah, because, well, first of all, it's only 20% chance that we do get a cut. So
1: that sounds hawkish in the Well, I don't conference. think
0: he's going to sound hard. They're, they're actually going to t- tiptoe their way into. A cut. Okay, let me that clarify. That patience word the is going to be removed. Sound that's the chatter. As
1: dovish as the market wants it to sound, which equals hawkish. Yes. Then that would be. I think. I
0: think they're supposed to. The, the consensus is they're going to remove the word patience mm-hmm. out of the language. If they don't remove that, that would be the equivalent of being hawkish. But I. I, I think no matter what market moves higher
4: from here. This is Goldilocks. The the last two Fed meetings have been disappointments from a market perception, again, relative to what expectations were. So uh, I I think uh, the bond market at 208, look, the 10-year, to me, screams Uh, no growth. And and a growth scare is much worse than an inflation scare, even though the long end of the curve supposedly is supposed to reflect inflation expectations. Uh, What's going on here right now is I think people are uh, probably pricing in a a hefty part of global central bank easing. And and the reality is what the final easing is going to be is not going to give you anything back. The dollar was 55 basis points uh, in the dollar index higher today, bounced off that 50 day. Looks like it's reasserting itself. That's not good for risk, risk assets. Dollar yen is also actually moving at the same time in that direction. Look at commodity prices. Look at anything that's reflation oriented. And it's telling you it's not a great time to be in anything cyclical.
1: I mean, look at gold. Well, that's gold is the opposite side of that coin. And
2: gold has had this stealth rally. We've been talking about it for a while. The gold miners have done well. And the gold commodity is a level now we haven't seen in quite some time. In my world, it's about to break out to the upside. And it's done that under the auspices of a dollar that's actually been pretty strong until recently. So if this dollar does weaken in a meaningful way, which it probably should, I think gold takes off the upside. Gold is telling you, in my opinion, that the equity market is way ahead of itself.
0: How the it, I, the it, equity how market it, is above all its moving averages, though. So yeah. I, I look at it. And I agree. There's a, there's a lot of things that are negative, a lot of things that are headwinds for the overall market. But the market is telling us something. It wants to move higher. It's, it's shaking how a is, lot of this is stuff off.
1: How is that telling us that it it's wants to move higher? Well, Just 2% all, off all-time highs, above all moving
0: averages. It shook off all of trade concerns. It's shaken off all of growth concerns. We've had global growth concerns for quite some time. All it cares about is the
3: Fed. And whether the All Fed right. is hawkish or dumbest. But Steve, just you know, the last two times the S and P has been approaching 2,900, it was January of 2018, and it was then fall of last year. And what happened? You could have made the same argument. I'm not telling you you're wrong. I'm just saying that those narratives were like that was the more constructive narrative about the S and P making higher highs. So if we're right back at that same spot, the risks are increasing for that growth scare that. I don't, Tim dis- I don't about. disagree. With you. I
0: think we've I think we've shaken off a lot of those concerns from the last time this happened. Really? To now. Uh, but, and, but, but if the market does make new highs, way, I think we, I think the bear story has to sort of go on the side and say, okay, we're, we're all missing something. If the market makes new highs coming out of this meeting and the market starts to slow grind in the summer environment, higher makes new highs, I think we're missing something. So, by the way, when someone says, um, I
4: don't, uh, not agree with you. So, when, so when the basically means they're not agreeing with you. Um, I don't disagree with you means basically I don't agree with you at all. Um, but the, w- if we think about the Fed, and Steve's actually right, fighting the Fed has actually, been a... Right. Actually, Th- thank, sorry,
0: you. Sorry. thank Steve, you. Steve is
4: Steve's <laughs> once again correct here. Better. Um, fighting the Fed has been a losing proposition sure. for 10 years. OK, so to the extent that we've seen this before, where people have questioned earnings capacity of companies, people have questioned the global economy. We've seen the stock market to continue to chug along. So to the extent that I, I don't believe you, you, you can see the S&P go careening down, certainly to 2650 is probably the one level everybody's targeting. If we actually have a real, you know, that's a 5 percent correction. My, my point is simply, I think positioning expectations and and sentiment right now are the biggest issue. The economy is not the issue. It's all about where positioning is and people are positioned on
3: the bull side.
1: So we have a treacherous calendar in the next few weeks. Mm -hmm. How do you position yourself? I mean yeah,
3: I, I think you want to be defensive. I mean, I, I do disagree with uh, with Steve about being oh. constructive on equity theory. I, I get it; that there is no alternative. We have the we have rates where they are, and we know that we have a, a a dovish Fed. They are not going to turn back to being hawkish, which was where they were in December of 2018. So that's not happening. But I think the the interest rate market has already moved ahead of that a little bit. Okay, and I think that there's a the potential. You use the term goldilocks. I'm not so sure that makes a whole heck of a lot of sense. My biggest risk is if we look back to two. 2015, when we had the 10-year yield below 2%, we had equities were much, much lower. We had a dollar that was strengthening. We had commodities going lower. And a lot of the same things were in place. I just think it's not a Fed policy mistake right now is going to happen. It is a, a protracted trade war that could just deflate the, the global economy, which is very fragile so, so right So
0: when now. I say Goldilocks, I mean if, it's a, if we have a weaker economy then the Fed is more likely to cut rates. Uh-huh. If, if trade talks go south, the Fed is more likely to cut rates. If we have a stronger economy, but can the, the Fed market moves all? higher.
1: Can the Fed save everything? The, Fed, I the mean-
0: market told us last week that the only thing that they care about, or, or two weeks ago, the only thing they care about is where the Fed is positioned. They don't care about trade. The market rallied in positioning, got so short off that recent low, that I think the market was caught off sides to the bear side. Look, we've created another
4: asset bubble, whatever you want to say, and the Fed uh, has Targeted asset prices, so um, it's not going to happen tomorrow. And, and if you think about what happens when growth, we talk about this triple B threat of where the biggest you know tranche of, of of debt exists, it's one notch above junk. And for a lot of companies, if we go into a protracted growth uh, you know, dynamic headwind, I, I do think you're going to start to see credit issues that become not just significant but very significant. We've seen moments where the credit markets in the last six months, especially during periods of, of liquidity drying up have been devastating, frankly, to the downside. But in the short run, look, the reason why the Fed's not going to cut is because the economy's not cratering right now. The leading indicators are not your friend, but but the overall dynamic in terms of consumption trends, and even if you look at the ISM services, it wasn't that bad. Manufacturing's not so great, but if you look at the Fed surveys on a regional level, they haven't they've been telling you that, that CEOs and companies and hiring uh, is cautious based upon trade dynamics. It's not telling you that their businesses are falling apart, and there's no place for the Fed so so it gets Fed, back to If the
1: Fed doesn't cut, the markets will probably sell off. Of course will. Right? Okay. And, and if there is a trade war, then the markets will sell off. So where's the is where's is the risk to the downside? Didn't the
0: market sell off already on the look where Mel put you, Steve? I know she so I mean, gave you no room. So if I, I agree I don't with don't her. I scenario lose. Scenario but, but the markets <laughs> so we already played that act before. Have that, we really they, played? Well, <laughs> we, we've an had a trade war,
1: round of tariffs on 300 billion dollars. We've already had a ratchet
0: up. If you think the market hasn't, we haven't had that though. But do you think the market? Do you think that the market hasn't? The market is a forward pricing mechanism. Judging from Broadcom's
1: full year sales forecast, the market has not incorporated that into the thinking
0: in the semis. Everyone was 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 thinking about a back half of the year that was going to be better than the first half. Okay. So th- w- what happened is they supplied up a lot. And then the back half, I, if that doesn't come through, they're going to get hit. I guess my
1: argument was that that would be the most obvious group to respond in advance. To three hundred billion dollars.
3: We're of just digesting some of these right and now. And they Let's did. The well, semi right. started Let's selling off last June. They
4: led the market sure. pullback. They were the first to sell off. So, so
3: l- let me just tell you a couple things that I see. So you ask, where do you go in this market right here? Look at Microsoft, which is a couple percent from its all-time highs. I thing mm-hmm. rallied ten percent in a straight line over the last week and a half, or whatever. That is a defensive trade in my position. Uh, in my opinion, that's like going into gold or something right here. Look at the other names that act really well. We talked about them last night on the show: Walmart, mm-hmm. Costco, Target. These are all fairly defensive sort of names. Now, a trade war will hit them. But this is the most important thing to me about the Broadcom warning last night. We are seeing the disruption. We are seeing the headwinds of the trade war in the supply chain. We're not seeing it at the finished goods level, which is why some of these retailers are trading so well in a defensive manner. And I think that's really what's going to weigh on the stock market. As we get downbeat earnings guidance for the back half of the year because of the uncertainty about the supply chains and the disruption from the trade war, and that's what weighs on the stock market.
2: I think with each passing day, we're less close to getting a trade deal. I'll say it again. We're We're 16 months into this uh, U.S.-China thing, and I don't think we're any closer now than we were six or seven months ago, and despite what President Trump says, I know he says you know, when there's a deal to be made, you know, I'm ready to make it. I don't think that's true. I think the Chinese hold all the cards. I'm probably one of the only people that think that. With that said, if you want to be someplace, big cap farmers traded okay. And I'm telling you, gold miners are going higher. They're breaking out to the upside. It's a levered way to play gold. And the fact that Procter & Gamble is trading where it is, to me, that's actually really scary. Procter & Gamble at all-time highs trading 24 times forward earnings makes absolutely no sense to me.
1: All right. Speaking of semi-stocks, the chart master says there's more pain ahead for the beaten down group. He will exp- what he why he's seeing red plus chew on this another day oh. another hot IPO shares of chewy surging in its debut and the next hot IPO could be just around the corner and later mark zuckerberg's about to go full crypto next week when facebook's expected to unveil its new cryptocurrency platform we'll bring you the latest details we're live in times square in new york city much more fast money right after this
5: what does it mean to be rich
1: Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out the cool crowd that turned up outside the New York Stock Exchange this morning for Chewy's IPO debut. And that's not all that turned up. Shares of the pet food company surging nearly 60% today during a ferocious first day of trading. Let's get to Leslie down at the NYSE with more on this. Hey, Les.
5: That's right, Melissa, Chewy shares soaring today, up nearly 60% in their debut. It's the largest initial public offering for a U.S. e-commerce company ever. Chewy and parent company PetSmart selling a combined $1 billion to investors. The deal was massively upsized, pricing above a boosted range and selling more shares than expected. PetSmart received the bulk of the proceeds. The retailer acquired Chewy just two years ago. And in its debut today, Chewy is worth quadruple the amount. So what brought investors in the door today? Well, Americans are spending more on their pets, and they are spending more money online. CHEWY SAYS ITS CUSTOMERS EACH SPENT $334 ON AVERAGE IN 2018. CHEWY SAYS ITS SALES LAST YEAR WOULD HAVE GROWN 20% AS A RESULT OF INCREASED SPENDING WITHOUT EVEN ADDING ANY NEW CUSTOMERS. ALL IN CHEWY'S TOP LINE GREW 68%. Consumers are pivoting from buying pet supplies in-store to online. E-commerce represented 14% of pet industry sales in 2017, up from 4% in 2015. It was projected to grow 25% in three years. But as those trends hold, more and more consumers are noticing supermarkets, warehouses, e-commerce companies, including Amazon, have been making a big push into the pet world. Now if they choose to lower prices, that could put an even further dent into chewy's already negative margins, Melissa.
1: All right, Leslie, thank you, Leslie Picker, at the New York Stock Exchange. Tim Seymour, do you like Chewy?
4: I don't like Chewy. I do think people are willing to do almost and pay almost anything for their pets and, and good for good for Fido. But, but I think at some point, again, it's, it's about where is the mode of the business, and it's exactly that. Big box stores are becoming very competitive. You're actually seeing private label stuff. Um, so, no, I'm not chasing Chewy.
1: Good for FIDO, good for Flip, good for
3: Dodger. Interesting. <laughs> My boy Dodger. Uh, this is an interesting <laughs> shout out to Dodger. Uh, interesting that we're talking about a non-tech IPO. We spent a lot of time over the last yeah. few months talking about some of those smaller float ones that have done really well. Uh, Zoom, uh, PagerDuty, Revolve is just ripping right now. Um, so to me, what's really interesting is going to be next week when we get Slack and it's direct listing. And, you know, we have one big comp. It was Spotify. It was last year. We jump about 9% from that one. We don't talk about it a whole heck of a lot. There's been a lot of debate about direct listing versus some of these mm-hmm. smaller float sort of IPOs so to me um, I think that this slack thing you know up supposedly 17 billion dollars from last year when they last raised it about 7 or 8 billion dollars that could be very telling I think for broad tech here.
0: What I I have a problem is is Chewy loses money right so we've decided to pick the ones that we want to reward that lose money it lost 268 million dollars why would this stock, at the point of it, at this point at its growth period, why would they lose money still? And to Tim's point, this is an online realtor, a, a, a realtor, retailer. Yeah. Yeah. Why I would go into there if it was a stand uh, a standalone brick and mortar. Really? Yeah, because at least if there's some They're
1: losing no, money, but they're brick and mortar. No, you because would like if it there better? was
0: brick and mortar, at least you could make the case where you don't want to go on Amazon and buy it. You want to go in there and get some sort of an expertise about your pet. But this is online, why don't I just go to Walmart? Why don't I just go to Amazon?
1: I, I apparently, <coughs> the customer service is amazing on amazing. Chewy. They will send you, for instance, a portrait of Flip yeah. um, to hang up, or they'll, they'll, they send condolence letters when they learn that it's, you've uh, lost your pet. Well, so look, I think I'm a pretty normal, right? really amazing.
2: Somewhat normal, right? Normal hey. family, I would. I mean, that's what I think. I normal three you know. ki- We have three dogs. I'm telling you right now, if I say, let's go out and buy me something, the kids are looking back, I got nine heads. You want to go out and buy the dog something, they Race to the car! It's, I'm not even kidding around. It's ridiculous. I say you buy this thing. The argument that you made was true two years ago when Petsmart bought them for three and a half billion dollars. Now they have like an eight bag on this thing, and I think the world's actually in a better place for Chewy. So despite everything you said, why do they losing lose money? Though? Why do they lose $260 I'm not, million? I'm not why CFO do they lose $338 the, the year before? It just doesn't make sense to me. It almost
0: gets back to the argument that we have on this desk: when they come public, who are they coming public for? Is it for shareholders to benefit? are losing money in because are money on growth. I, that's, that's, you like Amazon, That's has like Yes, but Amazon uh-huh. could turn it on and off whenever Amazon wants to. By the way, in, in
4: cannabis land, the companies that are offering CBD, pet food, and products, leaf has, has pet products. I mean, these things are, are being lifted off the shelves like crazy. There's a so, moat around that, though.
0: That's the moat you yeah,
4: were talking I, about. Yeah, I, I think so. More there, because there, there truly is a regulatory dynamic and people that have a first mover.
1: All right. For more on the Chewy IPO, head on over to CNBC.com. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC First and Business Worldwide. Here's what else is coming up on Fast.
2: Nike is running high, but my co says the stock's about to trip up. He'll tell you how to profit if shares stop short. Plus,
0: did anyone read that article about Bitcoin I sent you?
2: Yes, Sheldon. And now Facebook is about to go full crypto, and it has investors diving back into the stock. We've got those details. There's much more Fast Money after this. You seek the key.
1: Welcome back to Fast Money. Facebook's cryptocurrency plans are getting some support. According to The Wall Street Journal, more than a dozen companies, including, including Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, and Uber, are backing the tech company's payment system called Libra, which is set to launch next year. The new digital coin will be connected to government-issued currencies to create a more stable system to avoid the big swings which have plagued other cryptocurrencies. So. Let's get the two cents on Facebook getting into yet the blockchain game, Dan. Two bits. Uh,
3: two here's bits. the thing. You know, I read a great note from Mark Mahaney at RBC Capital. He's on Mahan's. the network a lot. And he had a great piece about this. And he's really talking about two reasons why Facebook is going in this direction. It's payments and it's commerce. And those two things with a stable coin attached to their user base. And it's also very focused on Asia. They have about a billion monthly active users in Asia. That's 4x what they have here in North America. And what works over there, it's not about the actual hardware. It's about the operability of the apps mm-hmm. that they have. And they're doing payments in commerce. They're doing it on WeChat. And so this is a, really a focus, I think, over there. So to me, I think this is a huge, huge potential thing. We know they're not in China, but this creates a scenario where they could be in China uh, in a whole different ways that don't really rely on social networking. It amazing it how, on amazing how with again. all the headwinds that
0: Facebook has had, it's up 38% year-to-date. And I think this is another testament to maybe the, people are taking their eye off the ball on the privacy concerns. Now you're throwing a little Bitcoin icing on top of this game. It's up 38% or ready. I think that advertisers are just jumping back into Facebook. And with with that stat in Asia, the, the, Asia, four to one, I think that's a tremendous tailwind for Facebook. It's almost making people forget about all of the problems that they've recently had.
4: I, look, I, I think if you're in an environment where regulatory headwinds are on Facebook and other guys in the sector, crypto's not your answer. Um, uh, the irony here is that actually crypto could be a form of security and offering Facebook users something that they might not feel as comfortable on with the rest of the platform. And this is actually anonymity and an ability to actually transact. And
0: so a stable that's coin. What I would say. This one's a stable coin, too. So that, that adds a
3: little bit of And, and it's a centralized coin. It, right. It's like the antithesis of what Bitcoin's original white paper right. is, in a way. But think about it. They have two and a half billion monthly active users, and they're going to give some fuel to some operations that are going to go on between them. So to me, it's very different than actually Bitcoin and the Bitcoin network. You know, Mel, despite my age, yes. I have an excellent memory, as you know. Oh,
1: like an elephant.
3: Like an elephant. <laughs> and last
2: week I said, you know, it's funny thing about Facebook, for the first time in a while it set up really well on the long side. I said, you know, December 24th low, recent high, the 50% retracement of that move was 160. We traded down to 161. We had a whole conversation. For the first time in a while it sets up well on the long side. Look at where we are now there, Melms. Pretty good. So at least for the first time in my world for a long time. I think you can trade Facebook with a reasonable stop to the downside, looking to take out the all-time high we made, whenever the hell that was, back in August of last year. Not bad for an old guy.
4: Yeah, Yeah. not bad. But but again, why do you think that the the dynamics that we've seen with the regulators is something that is going to be supportive to nothing's changed. You're you're, You're right on that. You're right on that
2: point. Nothing has changed, and it has. Listen, until recently, it's traded really poorly. But I think that move that day on the volume we saw was enough to get me bullish. Steve
3: made one point. He said uh, that advertisers are coming back. They actually never left. Just look at the revenue growth, it's telling you that the advertisers never left. And yeah. so, all these concerns about privacy, it doesn't look like usage has been down so much. I know there's been some uh, studies or some data that suggests it's down a little bit, but that's on the core Facebook platform. Instagram doesn't mm-hmm. seem to be having the same issues. All
1: right. It's not, why are you sneaking? No, I'm smiling. I'm all just right. having okay. a good time. I miss all everybody. Right. I can't I'm be sure happy. We you know what? I'm mad.
2: People say I'm mad all the time. When I'm happy, I'm too and happy. Yeah, right. we're win. glad you're
1: back. Time for the final trade, Tim. <laughs> so,
4: we talked about that which might be defensive in this environment, whatever you think the environment is. If United Health care uh, certainly went through a difficult period six months ago and has been working its way out of it. Earnings probably 20 plus percent. Top line. UNH to me is an all
0: weather stock, especially now. Steve Grasso. So GE, I've been long on this for a while. Tusa always comes out. And every time I, I start to feel optimistic about it, uh, Stephen Tusa puts out a
3: negative call on the, sto- on the stock. I'm starting to feel optimistic about it again. Buy it here. Dan. Yeah, so that Broadcom guide down is just the start of something. It's not the end. I think you sell the SMH the ETF to track semiconductors on rallies. I'll show you how to do it on Options Action Stay tuned. Nice to see you. You know, Mel, we die. got the
2: best pages in all of the NBC. Best the the best ones. We always do. But and we got this great kid. I others. wish I could remember his name. No, Evan Q. We okay. call him Eugene. Gino. Inter. Last day here. He's yeah. unbelievable. Seventh in the Brooklyn half him out. Him Good looking burgers. man. This is the I best, best. we ever had. had. Best one we ever Fake had. Burgers. Nuba no Mining, Mal, back to you. Have a good OA.
1: All right, thanks for everything, Evan. See you back here Monday at 5. Don't go anywhere. Options Action's up next.
3: What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration.